Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Jared back on the show on this Thursday edition, new day for the show. Uh, we're going to swap up the dates here on, on the podcast. Uh, we're off-season mode. We're shifting to two a week unless there's breaking news. So that'll be Mondays and Thursdays that we record podcasts. Uh, but again, like I said, breaking news happens. We'll hop on here. We'll, we'll get it going. And then like normal, uh, during the fall when football season kicks back up again, I should say in August, summer still, uh, we'll, we'll go back to the regular uh, consistency of four, five, sometimes even six podcasts per week. Um, you can go to duckterritory.com for more coverage of the Oregon Duck football program, uh, more in-depth coverage there if you're looking for more. Uh, Jared, the Ducks have landed two verbal commitments on the football side. Uh, right around the spring game. There was so much to get to, whether it was transfer portal, whether it was previewing the spring game or recapping the spring game, recapping the transfer portal news. Um, this kind of flew under the radar a little bit on the podcast. I mean, we talked about uh, Casey Kelly committing to Oregon, the grad, mm-hmm. the, the transfer portal edition, but we didn't talk about Oregon landing Luke Moga and also a quarterback, three-star quarterback out of Sunny Slope High School in Phoenix, Arizona, and also Jackson Ford, a three-star tight end from Melissa, Texas. Um, let's start there because I think it was Jackson Ford who went first, I believe, um, off the top yeah, of Yeah, he head. definitely went first. Yep. Um, out of Melissa. Six, yeah, out of Melissa. Six-foot-five, 230-pound prospect. D lineman, also a tight end. Oregon's taking him as a tight end. Drew Maringer was the, the big – Recruiter for Oregon staff here. Uh, Mariger has some ties to Texas, and obviously Ford is from there. So is Will Stein, new offense coordinator. Um, I, I think this is a – they already have A.J. Pugliano, a four-star commit from Oregon, the top player in the state of Oregon. They want to. They need to. You've been hammering home on the podcast for over a year now that they need to have more than uh, – more, more scholarship tight ends. So they go in and they land a second one. But I think Jackson Ford's kind of one of these guys that he could play tight end at Oregon. But if maybe a bigger name pops up at that position, he could easily switch over to the defensive line and be just as good of a prospect at that. That's why really good athlete, really talented tight end, no doubt. I'm not trying to downplay his, his, his skills there. But this is a versatile guy that could give Oregon a lot of options. Yeah, and I think that's the point of, of, of signing him or at least getting him to commit is that positional versatility. Uh, I think that they should keep him more as a tight end. I think he's going to be a better tight end prospect. Um, and I think Oregon will need him more along uh, more on tight end than along the defensive line. Um, it certainly was a surprising commitment. I don't think this was on anybody's radar. Uh, I remember when Dan tweeted the duck emoji that it took a, it took a while to get any kind of confirmation on who this was and who it was going to be. Um, because, you know, Jackson Ford was unranked before he committed to Oregon, and now he's a, a three-star prospect, the 45th tight end, or excuse me, the 48th best tight end in the country, according to 247 Sports, top 247. Um, not a whole lot to make of this one. I think this one is pretty clean, cut, and dry. This is an athletic kid who's just going into his, uh, I guess he's class 24, so he'll be going into his senior year of football next year. Um, and I think that he's going to get better better with age and better with more experience at the tight end position. 
obviously can play defensive end. I think he played that for most of his career until recently. Um, again, I think that this is a good pickup for Oregon. I think it's a really under-the-radar pickup. This is maybe one of those kids that probably is more of a development guy. Um, always interesting when you can get a development kid out of the state of Texas because it's usually going to probably have better ramifications than a development kid out of the state of Oregon or Washington. Um, so I think that's a positive for Oregon. Drew Maringer had, did, a, did a good job seemingly with this. Um, I, I mean, it's good. It's good that Oregon is going to have more scholarship tight ends. But like you said, Matt, if there's a better scholarship tight end or a better tight end prospect that comes along the way that has more interest in Oregon, I don't think the Ducks are going to have any fear in adding that person alongside Jackson. Um, I don't think they're going to have any fear of if, if Jackson decommits. Um, I mean, in the last couple of days, he's already gotten a few more offers. So I think that kind of shows you the, the, the type of player that he is, um, that, you know, this commitment to Oregon could be a very good thing for the Ducks as he, you know, showcases his talents along summer circuits at six foot five, 240 pounds of a tight end. Um, but overall, I think that this is going to be more of a developmental piece than a day one. This guy can, this guy can play, uh, even though they might only have two scholarship tight ends on the roster next season with Patrick Herbert and Terrence Ferguson potentially gone. Yeah. Jackson Ford, you mentioned it. Uh, he picked up an offer from Memphis prior or sh shortly after his commitment to Oregon. He also has uh, a UTSA offer, meaning Will Stein mm -hmm. recruited him um, prior to getting to Oregon. Uh, Tulane was in a New Year's six bowl this past year. They have offered him a scholarship and then bigger schools like Texas tech, Houston, Cal, Boise State, ASU, uh, and and San Diego State have also offered uh, Jackson Ford a scholarship. Should be interesting to see his development the rest of spring and summer and then going into um, the football season. This gives Oregon two verbal commitments. A.J. Plugliano, which I said earlier, um, He's the other one. And I, I spoke with AJ at a football camp um, in Eugene the day after the spring game, and he's pr pretty much locked in. He's not He's not even going to, like, a lot of other of these seven-on-seven seven camps with his seven-on team. He's just focused on spring football and doing Zoom calls with Drew Maringer. Uh, he's, not, he's not even considering, you know, other schools right now. So for the, for the current moment, at least, it feels like these are your two tight ends for uh, the 2024 recruiting class. That could change depending upon who becomes available, who shows interest. I, I would imagine they continue to go after the big dogs um, at this position. Uh, it would make a lot of sense for that, for, for Oregon to continue doing it as well. Now, the other name that committed to Oregon over the spring game weekend, um, Luke Moga, three-star quarterback, Sunny Slope High School in Phoenix. And Jared, this is a guy that has had a huge, I, won't, I wouldn't say like huge, but has had a really good climb during the off season of, college, of high school football. Really solid, really good year as a junior this past season. He threw for 2,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, he also ran for 539 yards and five touchdowns um, is 
a very good track athlete for a quarterback. Um, ran a uh, ran a ten nine three in the hundred meters. Um, he ran a two hundred meter time of twenty two five three in April of twenty twenty two. I think he's ran quicker numbers this spring than he did last spring. We know he's competing for his track team. Any this is a quarterback that comes from, to my understanding, a high school in Phoenix that's got very little tradition of being a successful program in the Phoenix metro area. Um, he's kind of been part of a class that's made this school, you know, a playoff contender when historically they aren't a playoff team. And that, you know, I, I think that is a trait that you have that you like. It's not going to be like the deciding factor of should you offer or not, but this is a guy who hasn't ran away from where he's, you know, grown up and the school he should normally play for to play for a powerhouse school and he's excelling at it and he's lifting up the program. I think there's some kind of like secondary value in that idea as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why not. It's always a good thing when, when guys stick around, um, I guess to sound a little bit like old man yells at cloud, uh, always good when guys stick around and don't jump their name into the portal or do that stuff, even though I'm a huge proponent of the portal and I'm kind of talking about it out of two sides of my mouth right now, but Luke Moga, Committed to the Ducks, quarterback. Um, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up the track prospects from him. Um, just a just an elite athlete, really good athlete. Um, his sophomore season at uh, Sunnydale, Sunny Slope, excuse me. Uh, he was a receiver. He had over 300 yards receiving and had like an 83 yard touchdown. So that shows you the type of stuff that he has. Just bringing his athleticism to the field um, as a quarterback. Matt, you went through the stats again. To Matt's point, it's not a program that's built on their, you know, success at the football level. Um, they're not going to have as much talent as other high schools in the Phoenix area. Excuse me. Um, but this is a guy who, again, almost threw for 2,300 yards. The completion percentage is a little worrisome at 47%. Um, but again, only 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I think that's more than manageable. Um, overall, I like his mechanics. I think he throws the ball pretty, with like with ease, just kind of flings it out of his hand. There's no real high effort, high intensity stuff with him. Um, and t- like you said, Matt, this is a kid who wasn't necessarily on the national scene for a long time. And then over the summer through recruiting camps and seven on seven camps, um, he's kind of blown up. And I think that Oregon... I could potentially the same as Jackson Ford, but I think Moga's more surefire of it. I think Oregon got in before the getting was good. Um, you know, in the last couple couple months, he's got TCU offers, Michigan State offers, Utah offers, shout out Boston College offers. But Miami's a school that offered him. Oklahoma State was offered him even before Oregon offered him. Um, those are all you know good programs across the country. And they're all seeing this on film. They're all seeing this after his junior season and saying, yeah, this guy could 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 do really well in our system or could, put, could progress into a good quarterback. And I think it's important that Oregon got to him early. And um, credit to Will Stein because this is going to be – I would say this is his second recruiting battle victory after keeping Bo Nix around town. But this is his first true prep recruiting battle and that, that he's won. And, what about and Nova Austin Novasad. Yeah, but 
I, I feel like this one is a little different. This is like, sure. hey, I'm making the new relationship with you. I got you. I, I didn't know I you from you. before. So he's and he did that and he's got him on board. And I don't know where Moga's gonna end up at the end of the day in terms of his recruiting aspect, like whether he's a top four star or mid or whatever the case may be. I do think that he'll rise in the rankings over the course of the summer. Like there's too many opportunities for him to not do so. Um, so it's gonna look good at the end of the day when uh, you know, ultimately, if he does sign with Oregon or whatever team he does sign with, it's, he's going to be a good quarterback prospect and really add to your class. Um, I don't think he again, I don't think he's a like a, a guy you kind of plug and play. I think he's similar to Novasad where he's going to have to sit a year. He's going to or sit a year or two. He's going to have to learn the system. He's going to have to learn the fundamentals of college football. While it is nice that he stayed at his lower high school and turned them into co- competitor. Oftentimes, the competition you face at a lower high school isn't as good as what it would be if you, yes. he went to like Saguaro High School in, in Phoenix or Scottsdale, wherever that one is. If he did, he'd be playing higher competition and learning how the faster, how how much faster the game can be. Um, so that's going to take a lot of adjustment period when he, when he gets to whatever school he goes to, and that's fine. It is what it is. It's a quarterback. You still saw that with Ty Thompson. You still saw that with you know Bob Ashford. You see that with kids all the time. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be a very good part of hopefully Oregon's 2024 class as he is right now. Um, and I would expect to see him surge across the summer with all these seven out of seven and uh, uh, recruiting camps in general. You made a good point about while it's notable that he stayed at Sunny Slope, there's going to be a learning curve and he's going to have to adjust to it because we're seeing that right now play out at Oregon with a lower level school from Phoenix, Ty Thompson. He played and dominated at a lower level of Arizona prep football and hasn't translated right away to just a, a seamless transition, which is okay. He's, he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be ready. The guy, you know, when he showed up day one, um, that was going to be Anthony Brown. And so he's still got time. Now I'm not saying like, Luke Moga is going to have the same career arc as Ty Thompson. It could change. He could be, he could show up and just be the guy right away after Bo Nix transfers. I'm not, I'm not expecting that, but you know, that could happen. Um, and I, I also like the fact that you brought up the multiple positions. He also served as a returner as a sophomore. I mean, that gives you the, just the idea of his playmaking explosiveness his speed, whatever, mm-hmm. um, at this position he's competing in the elite 11 he's trying to get to the finals hasn't earned an invite yet we'll see if it happens uh but it's certainly a guy that's he's the 33rd best quarterback in the country by the 24 7 sports composite he's just outside the top 10 in the state of arizona at number 11 in the 24 7 sports composite um he's got a collection of offers that uh, from schools that produce good quarterbacks not elite every single year, but they have a track record of, of, of getting guys in to the system and putting them in, in successful places. So it's not just Oregon that felt like this was a guy that they needed to add. Now the question becomes what happens next at this position? Oregon, Michael Van Buren is, is obviously the other big name that Oregon in, is recruiting right now. Um, and maybe the most likely of the group that could commit to Oregon. 
the crystal ball favors Oregon here. Um, he's a four-star composite guy. He's the 11th best player in the country at the position. Was just in Eugene as well. And I think this is a, this is a, a deal where they want two quarterbacks, and they should probably want two quarterbacks, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they should they should want two quarterbacks. It's very clear that they are going to take two quarterbacks. They wouldn't unless they really liked Moga. They wouldn't take Moga over Michael Van Buren. Uh, I think while both are good prospects, I think that Van Buren is the better of the two at least right now. Um, I still am unclear on what they're going to do next season. Uh, unless they truly feel like they can hand off the, the keys of the car to Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad, I would imagine that Oregon dips into the portal for the third straight year, how many years, how many ever years it's been. Because while Ty Thompson was good at the spring game, mind you, he started one of eight, um, almost had a pick six in the very first pass of the, of the game, uh, didn't look off defenders, was very one side of the field oriented, made it very easy to cover him for the first part of the game. Got into a rhythm and showcased his talent, which is always a good thing to see during a spring game. Granted, it was against uh, you know a defense that's mixed of one, two, and three on the depth chart. So if Oregon does and Will Stein and Dan Lanning, if they feel comfortable with handing the keys to the car to Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad, whoever continues to develop better over this offseason or during the season as well. Yeah, then you you are going to take two quarterbacks, and that's going to be a-okay. But as we saw last season, with the amount of talent that jumps into the portal every season at the quarterback position, I again, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Oregon take three quarterbacks, technically, and have a quarterback room of... Maybe even six guys if Ty Thompson sticks around. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. Because I don't know if I don't know if Ty Thompson is going to be the 100% guy. And this isn't a Ty Thompson argument. Um, but from a recruiting perspective, I always think it's important to take at least one quarterback a class, probably two quarterbacks a class. Because uh, there's a chance that you hit and there's a better chance that you don't hit on one of these guys. And, you know, the more you take in, obviously, the better it, the better it can be. Uh, and with the the, lim- the no limit on, not scholarship totals, but number of guys you can bring in in the class from 25 to unlimited, um, why not? There's going to be some transfers out. There's going to be some clear graduations, but like someone like Bo Nix just is out of eligibility and is going to go to the NFL. Um, so why not bring in as many guys as you can and see who see who hits and see who might not hit? Um, and just give yourself the best odds of getting somebody to come in. But, yeah, I think this will all come down. I think that they'll take two quarterbacks in this 2024 class, regardless of what what happens down the road. Um, but it, that number could be three pretty easily if uh, if they do not feel comfortable with Ty or Austin Novosad taking over the position in 2024. I almost think you just automatically do it. And do what? Take, take a third. And in the third being a transfer portal guy, go find like a, an upperclassman portal guy. And basically it's, you're competing that guy with Ty Thompson and whoever emerges between Novosad. And let's just assume Van Buren comes to Oregon here for a second. Mm-hmm. So you had Luke Moga, Van Buren and Novosad are competing kind of to be that, that third guy in the race um, for the 2023 for QB one battle and it's Ty Thompson and, and the other guy. Cause like you said, like there's no limit on how many guys you can bring on campus. And 
maybe that initial battle is in the spring of 2024 where you've got all of them on campus and you just basically tell them like, look, cause this is the day and age that we live in. Like one of you guys at the end of spring is probably not going to have any chance at all in playing and it's in your best interest to transfer. Yeah. But they would be telling that to the guy who doesn't win the quarterback battle. Like if you're Moga or if you're Van Buren and you're heading into your first season at Oregon, yes, those two guys can be in, involved in it. Yeah, there's and and for Nova said they need a backup quarterback. I think that would be the message they would do. But if things go according to plan, or at least what they are on paper, and at least what people are saying about this Oregon program, it should be a rather successful season. Which in the off season, when they need a quarterback, they're going to shoot for the stars. They're going to try to get their equivalent of whoever is the next Bo Nix to come through their campus. And what we did learn this last year is that no quarterback is safe and that anybody, unless you're probably the starting quarterback at Georgia or Alabama or maybe even LSU, that there's a there's a chance they could enter the portal. I mean, Michigan State lost their starting quarterback and lead wide receiver from last season, like last week. So it can happen at literally any given hour. And if you're Oregon – Rightfully so, you should go after whoever is like the best quarterback in the portal and bring them to campus. And then at that point, depending on the development of Ty Thompson, it is either a quarterback competition in the eyes of maybe us, like it was with Bo Nix and Ty Thompson year one, or it's not a competition. And Oregon heads into the next season with their starter, whoever that may be, with Austin Novosad as a backup or Ty Thompson as a backup. But I... But I would imagine that, you know, over the course of this recruiting cycle, they're going to get two. And let's, you know, hypothetically say it's Van Buren because uh, it doesn't look great for anybody else. And probably a transfer portal quarterback. So there's going to be a six quarterback room and one or two people are going to have to go. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because Oregon's recruiting class right now is ninth in the country. Uh, I believe that's first in, in the Pac-12. And Van Buren would only enhance that. And it's been a while, too, since – I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Jared. The last time Oregon has signed two quarterbacks in one class. I think it, it was – It was Butterfield and Ashford. Yeah, like 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And then before that, it'd been it'd been a while before that too. I think it was Herbert's year when they actually signed three. Um, I, I believe it was uh, quarterbacks: Herbert, Terry Wilson, and somebody else. Um, if I remember, I mean, if you right. want to include um, whoever the Eastern Washington transfer was, whose name is escaping. Oh, me. Vernon Adams. If you, no, no, no. The, the year oh, after, Prukop. Dakota Prukop. Prukop, Dakota. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of his name. Um, I should remember because I have terrible memories from that season as a student. That's my first year in Oregon. Um, but that was technically that was signing three, old yep. school signing three. But I think three is the more we look at it, the more we hear good things about Michael Van Buren. Three seems to be the logical outcome to whatever happens this year, which and again, makes, I'm for. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I like it. It gives you th- it gives you basically three underclassmen that are all high ceiling, high potential guys, and you're just playing the odds that one of those three hits. Oh yeah, I'm interested to see what what the recruiting ranking for Van Buren ultimately ends up being. 
because he has one of the highest discrepancies I've seen in a long time. Yes. Um, not ranked in the top 247, 23rd quarterback overall uh, in the top 247, like I said. But then 129th, the 11th quarterback, and the third player in the state of Maryland um, for the 24-7 sports composite. I think he's a five-star on ESPN's rankings, if I remember correctly. Um, that's a pretty big, pretty big disparity. It's always fun to see those players. But uh, again, he's been at a lot of recruiting camps recently, uh, elite 11. Uh, I think that his top two, four, seven rating should go up if everybody else is very high on him. But um, right now his top two, four, seven ranking isn't significantly different than what Moga's is. Uh, but his his 24, seven composite is significant is, is significantly different. So I think that'll be an interesting turnaround to see how much that affects uh, Oregon's rank in uh, the class comparison, but I I also wanted to talk about that for a second. Sure. The next highest Pac-12 team is Arizona. At that's 38. not going to stay there for a while. Oh no no no! But Oregon is ninth. Next highest is Arizona at thirty-eight in the country. That's not good. No, no, it's not. Obviously, it's still very early, but it's also not that early like michigan already has 15 commitments ohio state has 13 notre dame is 14 and then oregon only has 10 which again that's a good amount at this age in the in the recruiting cycle but the recruiting as as we've as we know is now all year long once yeah. you know once june or july came around i was like oh free time not so much not anymore not so much and so getting double digit uh, recruits at this point, I think, is very important for Oregon going forward. I think they have a good idea of what they want in their class. Um, you, I, I feel like Oregon is trying to get the developmental guys now, yeah, and then save the top of their, or save you know a specific amount of spots for the top dogs and go from there. I would, I would agree with that. That it's very clear they're involved in a lot of guys that are four-star and five-star caliber guys, mm -hmm. 150, 247 guys. Um, and they know, you know, th those are going to be the marathons. And those are the ones that it's going to, they're not going to decide until October, November, December, and, and probably some of them even into January and February um, to decide. And they know it, some will, will, will go quick, but if you've got a guy like what we just saw this past week, Jackson Ford and and Luke Moga. If you feel like these are high profile, high ceiling guys, the potential is through the roof. They can they can play at your program, and they can maybe be that guy that makes that jump from being a high three star dude to a, a bona fide multi year starter at at the at the college level. And you can get that guy today. Do it. Mm -hmm. Don't let another school wrap him up, uh, and you're now scrambling for the scrape of the barrel of potential guys. Uh, in December trying to fill your class because that's what happens when you miss out on these big big names it's going to happen you're not going to hit on every single one of them and if you can find a guy or two that plays a similar position that you know you feel like it's going to be a dude take them now and figure it out later yeah and and the recruiting rankings are obviously going to change I mean Alabama's 18th I don't imagine that they'll finish outside of the top four um 
But I think it's I, I do think that it's interesting to see where Oregon is at this point in the rest of the Pac-12. Um, I, I do think that Oregon puts a, a, a premium on recruiting. I think that you know there will be the naysayers that stars don't matter and will always point to the what aboutisms of like a Justin Herbert who was a three-star kid who came out and, and performed better than any of the five-star quarterbacks that have come to Oregon or haven't come to Oregon. Um, but I do think at this point stars matter. And I think what Dan is doing is, is trying to, like you said, play the waiting game, play the marathon, uh, continue to do all they can to get these kids on campus as often as they can uh, for official, unofficial visits, uh, head to recruiting camps. Um, so I think overall – what Dan is doing is, is really good for a recruiting cycle. We'll just be interested to see uh, what they do with their quarterback situation at the end of the season. But that's not for a long time. we got plenty of months for that. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Yachts and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage on the Oregon Ducks throughout the week, throughout the spring, throughout the summer, all year round. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Peace.